Good morning. Our second reading is taken from Acts chapter 1, verse 9 to 14. And when Jesus had said these things, as the apostles were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew. James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women, and Mary the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Good morning. Before we go any further, let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us by your Spirit to hear, understand and believe what you teach us in your living word about your Son, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Here's a question. Have we got to grips with the fact that it is the reality of the ascension of Jesus that means that we can have hope and peace in the midst of this pandemic. Why do I say that? Well, that's what we're going to be exploring this morning. We're continuing our series on Acts chapters 1 and 2, called From Easter to Pentecost, Seven Weeks That Changed the World. And our focus today is Acts chapter 1, verses 9 to 14, especially 9 to 11. And the key event that happened between the death and resurrection of Jesus that first Easter, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the Feast of Pentecost seven weeks later, and that event is the Ascension. Whenever we say to, together the Creed, we say this about Jesus. On the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. Jesus ascended to the right hand of God the Father in heaven. So what do you make of the Ascension? I suspect that for many Christians, Ascension Day doesn't feature much in their thinking. Christmas, yes, and Good Friday and Easter Day, but Ascension Day passes us by. It shouldn't. Whether we have a big celebratory lunch as we do at Christmas is neither here nor there. That doesn't matter. 
But if we fail to grasp the significance of the ascension, we are in danger of stunting the growth of our Christian discipleship severely. The ascension then is critically important, like the birth of Christ and the cross and the resurrection. The ascension is up there with them, so to speak, in its significance. And by that I mean its significance for today, for the here and now, for our lives as we will be living them this week. It's impossible to overstate its importance because it's the ascension that assures us that the crucified and risen Jesus is not only alive, but is on the throne, ruling as king over all things, including all the circumstances of our lives, pandemics and all. This passage in Acts 1 is the key section in the New Testament on the Ascension. And I want to make five points about the Ascension from these verses and also revisiting verses 1 to 8 that John spoke about last week, because we can't make any sense of verses 9 to 11 without 1 to 8. So, first, it is a fact of history that Jesus ascended into heaven. Remember that the book of Acts is really a sequel. This is book two. We've had Jesus on earth. That was Luke's gospel. And now this is Jesus in heaven. So book two begins, verses one and two. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. The book of Acts lays out before our eyes the consequences of the ascension. And Luke is careful to stress that he is dealing in history, not myth or fantasy or fictional storytelling, but facts. To quote a useful book written about 40 years ago now by a certain David Holloway and called Where Did Jesus Go? There is obviously something profound about the ascension. It is a profound mystery. But whatever we might feel unable to say about it, it was certainly, as Luke shows us, a final event. It was the last of the appearances of Christ to his disciples. It was the signal that the end of Jesus's resurrection appearances had come. The ascension is an unusual, indeed unique, historical fact. But Luke is clear, fact it is. This happened, and if we had been there, we would have been able to see it too. Secondly, it is the crucified and risen Jesus who is in heaven. This is verse 3, here it is. Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So this is after his suffering. The victory has been won at the cross. The price for sin has been paid once for all. It is this Jesus who died for our sins, who is at the right hand of God ruling all things. And now the crucified Jesus will continue his work from heaven through the apostles and through his people. So having seen him die, they will need an unshakable conviction 
that he is alive. And Jesus gives them, says Luke, many proofs that he has indeed been raised from the dead. This was no disembodied spirit, but a man of flesh and bones. They knew it to be true. They were certain. And they needed to be if they were to turn the world upside down. The testimony of those few was to cost some of them their lives and alter the course of history. If we in turn are to lay down our lives in the service of Christ, then we too must be convinced that Jesus, who rules from heaven, is the crucified and risen Jesus. Thirdly, from heaven, Jesus sends his Holy Spirit on his people. Look back at verses 4 and 5. And while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. They had to wait. They couldn't act effectively to accomplish what Jesus wanted them to do without this work of the Holy Spirit in them. And we too are useless to the kingdom of God without the Holy Spirit. They could wait with confidence because this gift had been promised. But the fulfillment of the promise had to wait until after Jesus had ascended into heaven. Then it happened on the day of Pentecost and on that day, Peter explained the coming of the Spirit by saying, Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, Jesus has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. The ascended Jesus pours out his Spirit on his disciples, and the same is true for us. The apostles needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, and so do we if we're going to be useful to our ascended Lord. If we want the Holy Spirit, then we should ask and keep on asking, and we will receive. From heaven, Jesus sends his Spirit on his people. Fourthly, from heaven, Jesus gives power to his people to witness to him to the ends of the earth. Here are verses 6 to 8. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Here is the purpose of God's empowering gift. We're not given the Holy Spirit for our own gratification or satisfaction. We are given the Holy Spirit for the growth of the kingdom of God and for the glory of Jesus. The apostles were to be eyewitnesses belonging to, sent by, resourced by, and speaking about Jesus. The message that the crucified and risen Jesus is ruling from heaven will spread until it has reached the ends of the earth. That's what we see taking place as the story of these early believers unfolds. 
Why not make time to read through the whole of the book of Acts yourself? It's only 30, 35 pages or so. And watch the ascended Christ make Acts chapter 1 verse 8 happen as the word begins to spread to the ends of the earth. I remember I did that as a student many years ago now, and I trace my own enduring passion for church growth back all the way to that experience. So we too are to be witnesses to what we know by faith through their testimony. From heaven, Jesus gives power to his people to witness to him to the ends of the earth. Then finally and fifthly, from heaven, Jesus will one day return. Here then is that final section of the passage, verses 9 to 11. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So Jesus ascended to heaven. He was taken up from them into heaven, as the angels explained. Michael Collins died last week. He was the third man on that amazing Apollo 11 mission to land men on the moon all the way back in the 1960s. Now, we shouldn't think of this account of the Ascension as describing some sort of Apollo rocket zooming Jesus up into space and up and up until he reaches the final frontier and enters heaven. This enveloping cloud around Jesus is very significant. A cloud took him out of their sight, says Luke. Throughout the Bible, the cloud is the symbol of God's presence and glory. There's a kind of merging of time and eternity going on here. Jesus is entering a supernatural realm. Heaven is where God the Father is, and that is where Jesus is now. He is with us, that is certainly true. We experience his real presence by the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Jesus. The doctrine of the Trinity is important here. Remember that God is three in one and one in three. Where the Spirit is, there the Son is. But the God-man Jesus, body and soul, is now with God the Father in heaven. What then is the primary significance of this ascension? What difference does this make to us now? Well, the ascension has two key lessons for us. The first is that Jesus is on the throne. He is reigning now. His rule is unseen, but it is real. The ascension is, if you like, the completion of the resurrection. Jesus was raised by his Father, not just to life, but to the throne of heaven. So the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22, speaks of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers, having been subjected to him. 
Think of the impact of the pandemic around the world. Think of whatever struggles you are going through in your own life right now. And remember the first lesson of the Ascension. Jesus is now all-powerful and active. His rule is unseen for a while longer, but it is real. And that is a challenge to faith and to service. And it is also a profound comfort in suffering and in perplexity. Jesus is on the throne. That is key lesson number one. Key lesson number two is that Jesus will return visibly as judge and saviour to bring in the new heaven and the new earth. We don't know when. Verse 7, he said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But this is the great hope for creation and for the church. Jesus has promised it. These angels reaffirmed it. Jesus will come back. The apostles needed to know that Jesus had gone to heaven and would return. And so do we. What then is the purpose and motivating power of our lives? Well, as we finish, here are five encouragements for us to take from these five points that we've looked at. Take to heart the witness of the apostles to the fact of the ascension with ever-deepening conviction. Remember that the Lord of heaven and of history is the crucified Saviour who died for us all out of his great love for us. Thank God for the gift of his Holy Spirit and keep on being filled by the Spirit to equip you for service. Set your heart on a lifetime of involvement in worldwide witness to Jesus. And develop a confident faith that Jesus is the living Lord today and there is hope for tomorrow because one day he will return. As for those first disciples, both the men and the women, including the mother of Jesus herself, verses 12 to 14 tell us that after the ascension, they went back down the hill, down from the Mount of Olives and back into the city to their upper room HQ. And as verse 14 says, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. And so they waited. What happened next? Well, come back next week for more. Let's pray. And I'll end with the collect for Ascension Day, the short prayer that's been regularly prayed by believers in this country for hundreds of years. So let's join in with them and make this prayer our own. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that as we believe your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to have ascended into the heavens, so we in heart and mind may also ascend and with him continually dwell, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.